Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Kimona. And this is Rebels Advocate, the podcast where we break down the shit show that is the current social climate and reframe the radical. Let's get started. Hi, Kimona. Hello, Erin. How are we? Um, today we are a sleepy, sleepy girl. But it's fine because I am also the luckiest girl in the world. (laughs) And all, what is it? All good things happen. Everything works out for me. Everything works out for me. Yes, I agree. Lucky girl syndrome. If you don't know what we're talking about, look it up and get on that train. It's a TikTok trend, but it's a vibe. Yeah, it's really just manifestation. Yeah. We love that. Manifest some good vibes. I'm gonna oh go my to bed god. Early what are the, the people above me doing? All I want for 2023 is new upstairs neighbors. That's what I want. That's valid. Yeah, they're the worst. And, you know, we lived in New York City and I've had some pretty terrible neighbors, but they take the cake. Continue. <laughs> I could just like hear the the thumping from above. Ew, thumping. I can hear them so clearly. It's so annoying. Someone should have put more like No, this building that? this building is really bad. It's like very poorly insulated. Mm. But like we made them aware of that. And they still continue to be very very loud for no reason that's that's rough and we've never caused problems for the people below us Hmm. so clearly it's not just about how the walls are built (laughs) but i digress oh the joys of apartment living all good things happen to me everything works out everything works out you're the luckiest girl in the world luckiest girl in the world it's gonna be a great for me what everything works out for me everything works out every Every single thing and because you're the luckiest girl in the world and everything works out for you i didn't have a segue there i really (laughs) thought i'd come up with one oh i was so i was so bold with it i didn't have a good segue but you know we're, we're talking about apartment living um which kind of relates to our topic today because we're talking about the housing crisis in nyc and houselessness and the way that the rent is too damn high truly (laughs) why do you think we left (laughs) sam and i were like yeah um because our our rent and we all know uh sam and i had the tiniest tiniest apartment it was cute though (sighs) she she was an apartment um, <laughs> Correct, <laughs> but like you know, COVID was what enabled us to get it for a more reasonable price, and that's like by the standards of New York City, it's still more expensive than the current place we have here, and not by a lot, but and they were increasing the rent when we left. Like we had already decided to leave, but like we didn't tell them, and then we got the renewal, and they're like, "Oh, we're increasing," and like not honoring what you've said in the past. Cause like I got away with it the year after. Cause I was like, we're great tenants. You're going to give us the same price and then we'll renew. And they did. 
but they were like, no, definitely not. But we didn't want to stay anymore. But like if we had tried, we really would not have been able to find a place within our budget. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And that, that's been the boat that a lot of people are in, especially with the way that, like, a lot of people got that COVID year deal, all right? That's super true. And, like, a lot I of people moved to New York around this time yeah. because so many people left. Yeah. And, like, you know, things felt like they, things were, like, actually kind of affordable for a little bit. Um, but we are going in the absolute opposite direction right now. Uh, and it is wild like I know last year just like the the rent increase like over here in this home I almost like dropped my address I'm not gonna dox myself um (laughs) that would be a really weird thing to do (laughs) like yes and yet my brain still wanted to do it come on tell us your social security number (laughs) absolutely not it's 555 (laughs) um but yeah so we we also you know got that rent increase um we did argue a little bit though we took it upon ourselves we said we're gonna fight you not like actually fight because at the end of the day like the landlord still has so much power um but like we're like but we're so good and also there may or may not have been a man sleeping in our hallway for a month so they didn't raise it as much um but these are not unheard of stories in the city of New York, unfortunately. And in fact, these are probably the stories that have some of the stories that ended up a little bit on the more positive side than for quite a few people. And then we'll continue to because we're I was trying to like look for the TikTok <laughs> name and I didn't know that my sound was on. How long have we been doing this podcast thing, Aaron? A long time. <laughs> Whatever. It's TikTok, so it's actually on brand. It, it is on brand. And it was um, for the t- it was for this. It's not like I was just like watching TikToks, <laughs> being like, I don't care what Kavona says about rent. It's just it's so funny. We're a little unhinged this afternoon. I think we're both we're both sleepy, sleepy girls. Listen, just they, they know what that. they signed up for. This is not their first radio. So true. But, you know, this is also an interesting kind of extension on the conversation we had because we brought this up early 2020. Oh, no, not early 2020. Early in the podcast journey in 2020 with the eviction moratorium. Yes. So we have talked about it before. And, like, obviously that peak, some of these trends are, like, still here now that it's 2023. So that's wild. It's really crazy. And um, New York City was named, like, not named, but tied with Singapore, but for the most expensive city to live in in the world. It used to be San Francisco. When was that? This was was like a, you know, I should probably double check this because I do believe that might have been on Fox News that I saw this. Why were you on Fox News? Like the local one? Don't know what you mean by that, but... You not did you? You're from Jersey. You yeah. know how they have the local news station. It's like Fox Five. Yeah, yeah. I just it's Fox. Oh, that's what my parents watch. Like for the weather. <laughs> I, I think they can 
I don't think it's that political <laughs> that the weather is going to be different. But honestly, I don't trust anything anymore. So also, like, yeah, I don't think that's different. I don't know, though. Like, I haven't lived in New Jersey in a decade. So I don't 2022, know. 2022, the list, the list that came out in 2022 had New York at the top. I really, I really hate these neighbors so much. It's not even funny. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What are they doing? Dancing. No. No. I'm making it up. I don't know. No. But, well, I thought it was, for a while, it was San Francisco was beating New York. Yeah, San Francisco's up there on the list. Well. It ranks number eight. But New York and Singapore tie for number one. Okay. Love Which that. Is wild. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people. I think New York has always been like a really good example of talking about the homelessness crisis or uh, the housing crisis, rather. And because homelessness is so apparent here. Um, and I think any major city can be acknowledged in that way. Because, mm. But like, if you think about it, when people are like here of New York, and have never been here or like are coming here for the first time tourists like other people will tell you like oh be careful of the crazy people and be careful of all the people on the streets and this that and the other thing like it's part of the conversation it's one in the same that like new york comes up and homelessness is also almost always part of a conversation yeah and it's it's unfortunate that it's like so much a part of the conversation that it's like i don't even know if i have the right words to even articulate the the feeling that it evokes but it's it it boils down to this like dehumanization of people who are houseless and experiencing homelessness who are you know failed by the system I think that's what always gets me is that it's like, oh, so this has just been a thing that we've all acknowledged for so long that like it's almost always in the same conversation of talking about New York and New York City. And what have we as a society done about it? What has anyone done in New York City in terms of like political moves and government um like there's it's such an individual subset of the people who are taking action and like in the big sweeping ways that we need it to be done to make any kind of difference like humans are humans Mm -hmm. and we know that there is a horrifying amount of empty apartments like it's not like the housing doesn't exist but it's not accessible and no one's making a making it a priority and hasn't and that's been like something that i have spoken about for i I literally have like i remember myself having these conversations as early as high school with people like we have more than enough housing the the problem is not an actual lack of space like, this is a perceived scarcity issue, um, as 
are most issues under capitalism uh, where we have the room, we have the places for people, but because they simply don't make enough money and because we have a shit ton of greedy landlords and corporations who are buying up homes and buildings and then throwing a new coat of paint on them and calling them a luxury unit, bam, like we, we can't address this issue. And it's absolutely wild to me. And then especially in, in recent months, I feel like I've seen a quite lackluster attempt to address this. Um, but at least to give it a very, very just minimal silver lining, at least we're starting to try and address it. I said that with like, like while like grinning my teeth, like I feel like it could be the beginning to like better conversations, but you know, that's, that's the, the little optimist inside of me that wants to stay positive. Um, but particularly thinking about uh, Mayor Adams and his, you know, lovely plans for the city. Public um, enemy number one. Absolutely. And how recently, you know, in addition to increasing police presence on the subways and just around the city overall, um, he put into place uh, a law or like this article says law. I'll link the article that basically allows first responders to involuntarily commit those who cannot meet their own and I quote, basic human needs. Which is such a subjective bar and so very low. Like we already have an issue with, you know, mass incarceration of people who are experiencing homelessness. And then you're going to add on, well, if they, you know, start to not want to talk to the cops or something, they're going to be like, oh, look, they can't meet their basic human needs. Now we're also going to forcefully commit them. Um, It's just like a lot of trying to throw a Band-Aid on. Well, it's it's policing. It's policing of issues that aren't related to law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Like, already it's it's a gross assumption to assume that... homelessness is directly related to being mentally ill and or having some kind of substance abuse of course there are correlations of like experiencing homelessness if you have those conditions Mm -hmm. however any one of us are one step away two steps away like we're not far removed from having something horrible happen to us or a family member that we can't control. And, you know, we all just experienced COVID, a global pandemic that affected every single person on the planet. And we can't say, especially in a country where healthcare is not accessible, that like, Who's to say you don't have an accident and then are have all these medical bills and all of a sudden can't pay to have a roof over your head? You know, so many people don't have the luxury of a safety net of having family members and friends that could take you in long term. Okay. Um, and even if you do, like, like if something happened to me, I would go stay with my parents, but like, what if something happened to my parents where they were in that position? 
I wouldn't be in a position to be able to take care of them. And then my safety net is gone. And it's just, I think it's really ignorant for people to believe that mental illness and drug addiction is the only thing that's going to lead you to being on the streets. Um, And I think it really aids to people's misconception and dehumanizing people who are. Um, Firstly, everyone as a human deserves a basic human right of having shelter. It's, you know, psychologically, like, hierarchy of needs. Shelter is a basic necessity. Um, And, like, it I, I don't have anything else to say other than that, how you could ever even assume that like, a, even if it's a bad person who's deserved the things that have come to them, which we all know I don't believe in regardless, but like, you're going to say that that person doesn't deserve food, water, and shelter? Like, then you're immoral. We know this. So prioritizing people having homes and access to shelter is essential and, you know, putting it in these categories and removing yourself from the situation, thinking that you're so far removed from ever knowing someone Mm. who is experiencing homelessness for even a short amount of time. I guarantee that you've met someone know someone who has experienced houselessness in some kind of capacity. People live in their cars all the time. Mm -hmm. People have to have these interims where they're couch surfing and other things because they're unable to provide. Um, And that is not a thing that is, that is a thing that is done by a greater system. Not something that you've done to yourself, nor would it be deserving. So it's a systematic issue. Obviously that's, kind of our whole point mm-hmm. here in all of our discussions but it starts with having laypersons having that greater understanding that it is not far from home like right at all like not not only is it just it could be any one of us but also recognizing and acknowledging the fact that people that we see like like experiencing homelessness and and houselessness are people (laughs) and it's such a basic statement but so often that's just not how we live out our lives and I know I I'm I I forget the phrase that I'm looking for again sleepy girl but I've done this you know guilty guilty of it there we go I too am guilty of it Thank you, Erin. You know, it's like when you first come to the city or are younger or or whatever, and people are like, oh, like, you know, you you see someone who's trying to talk to you, who's asking for money, like, you just like pretend they're not there, just ignore them. And while there needs, like, there's a balance of, you know, traveling alone as a woman and all of this, it's the fact that our very first instinct is pretend they're not there. Yeah. Like that, that that extends so much beyond just protecting ourselves in a specific moment, and and adds to this 
overall mindset that we all have where just pretend they're not there. And that's what things like what Adams has put into place is doing because the goal is to remove houseless people from our sight. It is not to fix the issue. There's also this misconception, which is very negligent of the issues at hand, that people who are houseless are also jobless. Mm. Like it's often stated in those scenarios that like the money you're giving them is being used for drugs. The money that you're giving them won't be spent well. Um, like, oh, get a job. Like the whole term of like being a bum is this assumption that people are lazy and not trying. Whereas many people in New York City are going to work every single day and can't afford a home. Whose fault is that? Not theirs. That is a reflection of minimum wage, of accessibility, um, potentially accessibility to jobs if that person has ever been incarcerated before like there's so many systems at play that are not allowing people to make livable wages to pay off bills that guarantee them these basic human necessities that we're referring to like we have to work so we can pay for food water and housing and people are doing that and still not able to meet these needs that is not their fault. That is the fault of the economy and system in which we live in that is not protecting its citizens and villainizing the scenarios. And there's some great people out there who are doing this work. There's a TikToker in New York City that I follow who experiences houses experiences houselessness and talks about how they go to work every day. And how it's not like they have a job, but they still can't afford a home um, and they constantly advocate for them. Her name's Courtney. I highly recommend she's a recovering addict as well. So she's really transparent about um, like going to her methadone clinic and going to work and working to um, provide resources for people who had been in situations similar to her. Um and in her scenario, she's in a shelter and she's often like in the work that she's doing, um, encountering people that are living on the streets. And she's said, like, I've been in that space before. But to think that like shelters aren't even necessarily accessible, that people are on the street in the cold, in the heat, people are dying because they can't be in basic shelters and people act like, oh, just go to a shelter. Oh, there's resources out there to help you. But that's not necessarily true. Just because something exists, if the need is greater than the resources, it's just not comparable. I think of this in so many, like, not to completely go off the rails here, but I think of that in terms of just People think that there's like cure-alls if things exist. Um, and in my community, in the cancer community, the pediatric cancer community, it's often thrown out like, oh, why don't you just take her to St. Jude's? They'll cover everything for you. There are like 9,000 steps 
to being accepted by St. Jude. They do incredible work for a very, very small subset of people that have to meet certain criteria. Um, And they have those uh, restrictions in place, obviously, for a reason um, in terms of like being able to do what they do. Um, And of course, the need for like childhood cancer, not rare. So there's a greater need than the the resources available. So for people to just casually say like, oh, there's like a fix for that. You won't be in medical debt. You won't, they'll be fine. You'll see bald kids on commercials and they're happy. That's not the reality of our situation. And that is very true in a million different circumstances and houselessness can absolutely be um, equated in that kind of way that they're all those resources are almost exclusively public resources. So they're already underfunded people who are not, who work there often will have to volunteer um, or people are making way below the wages that they need to survive and are overworked. Like these, these public systems like social work and uh, rehabilitations are underfunded. And again, this is all, a root cause of like, what is our government um, from a federal level to a state level to our city level? What are we as a community doing to establish greater accessibility to meet the needs of our community? Amen. I love when you have those moments. I just want to say amen. I love that. Um, (laughs) They bring me joy. They bring me a little bit of joy. I love it. Tangent on cancer, but you know, what else am I going to talk about? (laughs) It it aligns. The analogy works. Um, But then in addition to, to the lack of resources, right, to meet these needs, we also have the issues that some people face with using these resources. The fact that not every shelter is the safest place for Houseless oh my people, God, no. especially single women um, or women and their children. Like there are numerous reports of people, you know, having their, their few things that they do have with them stolen um, or being assaulted. assaulted. <laughs> yeah. While they're tr- just trying to have somewhere to spend the night. Um, and not to mention that like a lot of these, like while it's a place to spend the night, they kick you out in the morning and it's like, you have to fight in line with everyone else the next day to get a bed again like yes these resources exist and like even if there was the perfect amount to match the need there's still issues and i think that's another area where where a lot of people are not spending enough time and effort and energy to realize that like the goal is not that these resources you know work really well the goal is that we don't need these resources to begin with I think we need to refocus on actually going to the root of the problem, like taking a radical approach in the very literal sense of the word and addressing why these issues happen. Like we, and it's, you know, we say this all the time. It's like a thing that needs to be a societal change, but we as the people listening and speaking we are society guys like we have that power to make this change and i think that's something that's been really important for me to kind of start thinking about and to to grasp onto Um, another tiktok that i came across recently was from um, housing justice for all 
And so they're not just NYC based. They're across the state of New York um, and they are they're a statewide movement of tenants and homeless New Yorkers united in our fight for housing as a human right. Um, and they came across my my for you page just like a few days ago, honestly. And it was um, a group of them up in Albany. Um, I believe it was like around either the same day or around the time when Governor Hochul was giving her state of the state address, whatever. Um, and basically, you know, they're there demanding housing justice. And I was like, amen. Um, that's, they were, they were in there saying like, why are we here? Because the rent is too damn high. And like, yes, like that, that rallying cry. Um, and I've just, you know, been taking some time to look over the work that they've been doing, um, and the things that they have been fighting for. And it's really wonderful to see that, you know, people are out here, you know, saying the same things that we've been saying and, and taking it directly to the legislators, you know, so there's been a lot of things that they've been trying to get passed, a lot of which uh, Governor Hochul is just ignoring because as a true centrist uh, <laughs> establishment Dem, I, she's just there because I guess she wanted to, to be governor and thought it would be a fun job, doesn't give a shit about the people. That's what it feels like. Oh, uh, yeah. New York governor has been so much of the like the least worst person you could yeah. find and that should not be how we find elected officials no no it really shouldn't be um but i highly recommend that you go look at the things that they've been fighting for one thing i want to highlight is just like an example is um it, it's like a set of i think like five different bills that they you know, are hoping to eventually get passed, all relating to housing justice in some way. Um, also, just a note, I really like the term housing justice. I love yeah. frame things that way because this is what it is. It's not just, you know, a houselessness, homelessness problem. It's It, it benefits us all. Right. And when you frame it in the, the term of justice, you know, we're working for a society where justice it benefits everyone. Bada, bada, bada. Tangent equitability hell yeah um but and we all know how powerful it is to have like mm -hmm. exactly what we want in the title mm. it's a lot more attention grabbing and like more effective in getting people to um understand your mission and maybe be more willing to hear your message because i know we've talked before like a long time ago um on like some of the verbiage that radicalizing certain messages can kind of do harm in the sense of like stigmatization and people not being willing to hear things that keywords and trigger words that people are like always going to associate with a certain thing so it's really powerful to use that messaging that way it's a strong strong choice yeah, yeah absolutely um and so the they have like a ton of things that they're, you know, fighting for. But one of them um, that I feel like will resonate kind of with our audience maybe a little bit more is people who are likely to be renting in the area. Um, good cause eviction. So basically it would grant every tenant in New York State protections against unjust evictions and unreasonable rent increases. So it would require landlords to justify rent hikes greater than 3% 
or 150% of the consumer price index, and gives tenants the power to challenge evictions that are arbitrary, retaliatory, or discriminatory. It would protect 1.6 million New York households in every corner of the state, which is nearly half of the state's renters as a whole. And that's just one of these pillars that they're fighting for. And like, if you really just sit with that and think about it for a second, with a lot of, um, you know, the conversation that we opened up with about rent increases, especially post that that COVID uh, surge of people leaving the city, like this would protect so many people. And I know so many people who have had to move, you know, out of their apartment, if not out of the state, just because of how much the rent is being increased um and so protecting against that unreasonable rent increase which we know a lot of landlords use to just like evict people anyways because like if they know you can't pay it they know you're leaving which that's a whole other thing um but that would be so life-changing for so many and in and of itself could prevent um houselessness for so many individuals and families yeah i mean i think it's also just like the way we start this conversation is like from the lens of two far more privileged people who grapple with like being able to pay their rent. Like you shouldn't have to be college educated with more than one degree to be able and like have more than one job, like to pay to have a home. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that it's so colloquial to have these conversations amongst people who are already financially much more well off is very telling. Like if it's hard, that's always the conversations I always come back to in the, from the lens of privilege is if it's hard for me, how hard must it be when you are the person whom these systems affect the most? And that's what's scary. I, it's just, it's unjust. And that's the point of being a rebel is that we're trying to radicalize ourselves so we can radicalize others and bring them on this journey with us. So we're able to like, like I know we constantly say these this messaging that like we are the people, we are the people that can make the changes. But that's the goal is that the more of us that do the work on ourselves and bringing others along with us, there's power in numbers. And that's how we do it. That's how we have to do it. That's how radicalization occurs. That's how rebellions occur. That's just how it's historically always worked. And I always will. The people in power are in power and it's going to take a lot of bodies to get things done. And we know it's a hard conversation to grapple with, especially if you're coming from a lens of privilege, like realistically podcast listeners in of themselves, like we all have the time in our day to listen to a podcast. <laughs> like we have to like, not to say that everyone of our audience members and otherwise are in immense privileges but like you have to think of the context if you're someone in the most outskirts of the systems you might not have time to sleep and eat mm -hmm. let alone pay for a spotify account and listen to an hour of social justice conversations 
I think it's important that we all take that acknowledgement in every privilege that we hold, big or small, and able to make these radical changes happen because we all know that the people who are listened to are not the marginalized. So we have to take advantage of the privileges that we hold, whether that be race, gender, class, all of the above. We need to utilize our positions of power to be able to make these conversations happen and get into the right rooms, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And it reminded me um, partially because today is Tuesday. Yes. So yesterday, yesterday was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It reminds me of the quote, freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Like when we say that we have the opportunity to make change, like we mean it because we do. Like we have seen what happens when groups come together and organize. Exactly. Because when we're discouraged, it's easy to imagine how can we do anything? Anything we've ever suggested on any episode. How could we possibly do that? But that's how everything has changed before this. You get any revolution, freedoms of the people, independence, like as far removed as that before we even get into conversations of women's rights, rights to vote, rights for people of color to vote, like for God's sake, slavery, like all of these conversations have happened by movements. We are the radicalized people that make these movements happen. So there is no room for this. How is it possible? Because we know it's possible. It's constantly happening. And we're constantly making changes in the world. Think about how different our generation is from our parents and how we continuously make improvements, especially in terms of social justice. So we just have to fight to do more. And I, I, and, and like on a positive note, and I've said it before, like, it's encouraging to know how much our generation and the generations around us have grown and how many, even our parents were involved in protests and starting conversations about LGBTQ rights and environmental rights and animal rights and all these things. It gets more power with each generation so there's only going to be more success. The future could only be brighter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's just like a beautiful way to look at it. And I think it's the way that we have to look at it. The way that as rebels, we are called to look at it even. Because, and we've said this before, we've talked about, you know, like radical imagination. And I would even go as far to extend it as, as a radical hope that to keep alluding to King, if I must, that the long arm of just, uh, the long arc of the universe, whatever, I'm very, I'm butchering this, but bends towards justice. You know, like I've, I've always kept that in, in my mind and in my heart because it is how we keep going. It is how we find our like-minded people. It's how we stumble across organizations like Housing Justice for All that we realize we can get involved with, who we know are on the ground, who already have thought through like actionable items that will make, you know, the our our lives so different and can truly change lives. Like the model is there. 
Now what we need to do is rally around and give that support. And it's not just this issue. It's it's every issue that we talk about. If we take that time to rally around these groups and these people, like so much can be done. And I just, I think that it's the outlook that is necessary to keep us going, particularly, you know, when times get rough, when things start especially, you know, affecting us, like, I don't know how my rent will look in the next year. I don't know if I'll still be in my current apartment. Look, for all I know, they could have a crazy rent hike and I I gotta figure out my next steps. Like, this affects all of us. And so we have, we have that power and we should take that power to go out and to do something about it. Yeah. Thank God for the algorithm. Thank God for social media mm-hmm. that has enabled us to find like-minded people and that help us show that we are not alone. And the only way that things get better is that we don't stop and that we bring people along with us. And I'm hopeful. I see it every day. And I think there's a lot of good people doing hard work for so many justice organizations, whether it's climate justice, gender equality, there's so many things I couldn't even begin. And that, you know, you see small movements in certain corners of the internet and certain platforms and, you know, Vogue's doing it, this thing with Billie Eilish and, environmental activists like there's these small bouts where it's coming into the general public take that as encouragement because we're out there Mm. just gotta find our people and hopefully uh, hopefully we're your people so we would love for you to be our people even more by joining our patreon um we've added some extra features to our lowest tier And we would love for you to join us over there and support our creator functioning. You know, we put a lot of energy into this podcast, so we would love to have you over there joining in some on extra discussions and really being a part of the rebellion as a whole. And if you can't or need to join us in other places, we've got all the social platforms and our Website has all of our resources and show notes, including any kind of articles we reference or TikTok creators. All those things are in those places and a great way to reach us. Yeah. And, you know, I know you know it by now, but in case we have a new listener or if you just need a reminder, you can find us on Twitter at Rebels ADV Pod, on Instagram at Rebels Advocate Pod, and on the general interwebs at rebelsadvocatepod.wordpress.com. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that's your paid for subscriptions on Spotify or the free accounts. Make sure that you're getting up to date news from us and be aware of new episodes, which are coming out on biweekly Tuesdays. But of course, our biweekly newsletters can fill those gaps for you over on Patreon. So we will talk to you soon. And until then, make sure that you are radicalizing yourself and others every day. Stay radical. (laughs) That's what rad stands for. Bring back rad. Rad for radical. (laughs) Bye. Bye.